a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. You're listening to Inspire On The Go. It's your weekly dose of fun, encouragement, real-life conversations, and all things women's ministry, regularly featuring segments from Andrea's radio show, Truth On The Go. If you find yourself on the go, then this is the podcast for you. Now, welcome your host, Andrea Lennon, as we talk about all the great truths that we can take with us as we go through our day. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start today. I'm coming to you live from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention from our annual meeting. It's an exciting day. God is on the move here in Arkansas. We love to give glory to him. I have special guests with me. Oh, I'm just so thankful for this couple, Joey and Sindel Cook. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. We are thrilled to be here. All right. So obviously we have a great relationship in ministry, but we also have a personal relationship in that we're friends. I just love that we can have ministry partnership, but also friendship partnership. I was trying to think like, when did we first meet? It's been a couple of years, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. Long before I knew Andrea as an author and podcaster, (laughs) we were just uh, in the living room together having a meal and sharing time with our kids and I think at the beach on vacation at one point so uh yeah it's been a really special relationship and it's fun God has a sense of humor that he would bring us to this table together and it's cool how he uses those friendships for his glory absolutely you know and I love how God surprises us a lot of times we don't see the future but he knows it full well and he's just plotting our redemption he's plotting his plan he's plotting love and grace and enjoyment in life and so you and your family. You bring great joy to me and to my family. So I'm so thankful to have you on the podcast today. I wanted to talk a little bit about you and about your family and about your life and your journey, because recently, Joey, you published a book that is just so phenomenal. And we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But let's go back to the beginning for both of you. How did you meet? First of all, tell us about that. And then a little bit about your family. Sindel, you want to start? Sure. Um, So we met at... um, uh, ASU at a basketball game actually. Joey and my brother went to college together and we just happened to show up at the same game and we met. Yeah. Williams Baptist University but we were actually at ASU that night and I asked Adam, her brother, if I could marry his sister that night, uh, the (laughs) night we met. And he laughed and he said, sure. And I said, no, I'm serious. Can I marry your sister one day? And he goes, yeah, it'd be great. And now we're brother-in-laws. Oh my goodness. So what was it about Sindel that you just thought she's the one? Uh, She laughed at all my jokes, which was rare. And uh, that really moved me. And I just thought she was really cute in her hoodie. So... I mean, let's be honest, right? Let's just be honest with one another. So that is great. So obviously you had to move along in the process. So what happened after you saw each other at that ball game? Um, yeah, so uh, for about two years, dated and married in 05. Um, yeah. Asked her to marry me on a ski slope. Yes. Uh, I, was so, I was fumbling around thinking, <laughs> I'm going to drop this ring. It was night. Uh, night. Night ski, about 100 feet off the ground, uh, but we didn't drop it, and she said yes. Well, that is a great story. And we had four years with no kids, which was uh, dreamy. And now we obviously, we love our kids, don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a journey. So now, yeah, I'm getting ready to celebrate 15 years together this spring. Does it just seem like it went by in an instant? I mean, just so quickly. Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your kids. Uh, we have two children, Ryder and MJ. Ryder's 10, MJ will be 9 in a couple of weeks. So really close together. Yes, 15 months apart. Did you plan that? No. No, <laughs> who plans that, right? I just recovered a few years ago. <laughs> 
That's great. Okay, and their personalities are so fun. Of course, we've vacationed with you, so I love, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, MJ's just got this wonderful sass about her that she is large and in charge. She shows up. She's the life of the party, and I, I'll just tell a funny story. Like, I was over at your house one day, and you have a cat, and I actually, you know, um, I'm a terrified of cats. I don't yes, really let that out a lot, but I am terrified of cats. I'm just going public with that. And so MJ was determined that I would hold the cat or even just touch the cat and, and kind of almost was like offended that I didn't embrace this member of your family. And so I just thought, I'm just holding my ground. I'm just terrified. But I think at some point I ended up touching the cat, you know, so I love She's that. Relentless. She relentless. She is relentless. And then Ryder... He's just like, um, to me, and I could read it wrong, but like just a, a quiet force, you know, just like he's there, he's present in the moment, yeah. but he doesn't necessarily have to be the center of attention. I don't know, am I reading that You're correctly? Right. Yeah. Okay. He's very but, mature for his age, mm-hmm. and God's given him a great gift of athleticism, and it's really cool to see him use that, even for the kingdom at age 10. He's kind to his teammates, uh, the ones who... Uh, have excelled and those who haven't. Uh, he's just, I remember when I thought, oh man, God is doing something. He's a sensitive kid. When we saw the storms in Bologna years ago, uh, he was probably three at the time, four maybe. And uh, we were watching the news and I looked over and he had tears running down his face. And I thought, okay, God, what are you doing with this kid? What are you planting uh, that? We're going to get to watch Bloom over the next 10 to 20 years. And, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to see what God does with with those kids. They're knuckleheads, but, man, uh, they're great. And I think, too, you know, um, MJ's so loyal. I I will tell you that. Once you are in her life, you are in. And so we want to obviously just glorify God in all those characteristics that he's given to your kiddos. They are just great. And we love being around them. Our family loves being around your kids anytime that we have a chance. All right, so tell me just a little bit about um, your growing up and your your life and your story uh, prior to meeting and marrying. So, uh, for me, I was I was raised in a conservative uh, Christian home. My my mother, uh, my dad wasn't a strong leader when we were young. He since God's changed him, and it's really cool to see the work of God in his life. But my mom was a spiritual leader growing up. She prayed for us. She got us out of bed, and she told us, "Hey, we were going to go to worship, no matter if we wanted to or not." And so. Uh, it, it's cool to see how God used that really conservative background to instill in us the importance of the Word of God. And uh, I, I kind of ran from that as a teenager, and that wasn't my parents' fault. That was just my own rebellion and sin. And so that was uh, God protected me from myself and a lot of things that could have happened. And it's interesting to sit here and look across the room at this live event and see the Williams Baptist University booth. Uh, during that time at Williams, I was I was just foolish. I did a lot of foolish young person things and uh, relationally, and uh, and God's just been so gracious uh, to redeem that. In fact, uh, it was just a, a, a few months ago, actually, right before you came as a speaker, I got to go back to chapel and talk about the book and uh, what Jesus had done in my own life, and so. God's grace was just so big for me even when I was running from him. And then that brought me back in my 20s to start digging back into, okay, who really is Jesus? Does he really love me? And does he have a plan for my life? And that's what set us on our ministry journey. My wife's story 
is very different. Uh, so I'm not going to take that, but I'd love for her to share. So um, I grew up with parents who were very, um, there wasn't a lot of strict rules. It was very loose. There wasn't, um, um, they weren't really, they just, we just kind of survived, I guess. And then on the other side of that, my grandpa was a very, very legalistic uh, pastor, church planter, actually, um, a, a very small church in northeast Arkansas. And so I could see two sides of very, very strict rules and then a, a really no no rules. And so I lived in this um, confusion and unstable state. And so it led me towards sin and then towards legal, legalism. And um, it was friction, which I still fight to this day, the, the, the knowing that um, God is good and I can trust him because the, the authorities in my life were very uh, different. Um, and I, I met Christ, actually, uh, I, was, I was on the way home from a service at my grandpa uh, church, and we live northeast Arkansas, they'll burn fields. And as you're driving, I was looking at the burning fields thinking, oh my goodness, you know, that's scary. Well, the next following week, um, I remember, you know, telling my grandpa, hey, I, I, I need Jesus in my life. And it, and it, after that, the, uh, the freedom that I felt after that was um, amazing. So it's, it's it, you know, God can take something very legalistic, but um, I can, Jesus was there, you know, even in that. So I love that, how God redeems, yes. you know, and he is mm-hmm. always for our good and for his mm-hmm. glory. And you see that in, mm-hmm. you know, your story, but also like he continues to redeem mm-hmm. that, that divide that you experienced even to this day. Yeah. And we'll get to that in just a few minutes, but I know that that is very powerful in your current ministry to help people break free from mm-hmm. the legalism, but also to see the value of God's word and applying that to mm-hmm. our lives. And so Sindel, that's a beautiful story that God has redeemed and given you a platform now, you know, for him. And so I'm very excited about that. And then Joey, for your story, I just want to encourage the mom out there who's listening, mm-hmm. who maybe doesn't have a husband who's a spiritual leader. Wow. The, the opportunity that she has to just step in there and to be a voice of love and a voice of direction. So tell me a little bit about the role of your mom and just more specifically how that impacted your life. Oh my goodness. My mom is the closest thing to an angel I think I'll ever meet. She, if, to know her is to love her. She's kind. She's hospitable. She's generous. She prayed us through a lot of problems as a family when we were young. She was so consistent and stable and... <laughs> She was always in the background, but she was a force and is a force. And uh, if she was in the room right now, you wouldn't notice her. Um, but she is a, she's just a godly force. And uh, it's so clear to see how God used her, uh, her prayers to, to heal a marriage over time, um, to raise two knucklehead boys, um, and then to the, the, the fact that any kingdom work would come out of anything in my life is miraculous in and of itself. I mean, I I was a knucklehead as a teenager, and my mom was steady, and she prayed for us, and she wept over us. I remember remember her crying. I would see her crying with the Bible open. I would wake up in the morning and see her uh, with a cup of coffee and her Bible open, and and at the time, I thought it was silly and, and 
I didn't understand why that was such a big part of her life, but God heard her prayers. And uh, my brother and I both serve in very different contexts now. And my dad, it's so cool to see how God's worked in his life. He he drives us uh, a bus and picks up kids down rural dirt roads two or three times a week. And he's developed relationships with kids that uh, just backwoods no one knows their name and they love my dad and my dad loves them and he takes them to camp and he takes them deer hunting and uh it's just really cool to see the redemptive work in god through uh through brokenness a world filled with brokenness and clearly that's impacted your life mm-hmm. and your story because just seeing the emotion on mm-hmm. your face lets me know that God has taught you about himself Mm -hmm. through that process, that he's a loving father Mm -hmm. and that he never gives up and that he's literally out there watching and waiting for our return. Mm -hmm. And so all of it's the gospel, you know, and so that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Okay, so let's talk and pick up the story. You met, you married, uh, somewhere in all of that, you sensed call to ministry. So tell us about that. And then, you know, what were the early years like in ministry? Yeah, age uh, 17, I walked an aisle, and I said, I think God's calling me to preach. And the way I came to that conclusion, I remember, logically, was I remember thinking, if this is true, if God really is real and present in our lives, and Jesus really is his son and gave his life, I can't spend my life doing anything else other than telling everybody I know this grand narrative that spans all of history. And so that moved me to walk out. I enjoyed speech class. It was one of the only classes I ever liked. Uh, I don't know if that was a, an affirmation itch and after getting an A in front of standing in front of my peers or what, but, but I enjoyed it. And, uh, and I knew some about Scripture because I was kind of forced to at a young age. And so God used those components to, to call me to preach. But uh, like I said, 18 to 21 was some really rebellious years, and I got into uh, immoral relationships uh, and it just it wasn't it wasn't good, but but God carried me through that and preserved me, um, despite me, and then uh, that led us to ministry. I had a kind of a cool coming back to that call. I was getting ready. I finished with a business degree. I, I didn't want to do ministry. My, my, my mentor said, "Do anything else, and if you can be happy, then stay there. If not, come back to this call." Which sounded really weird, but I learned later. I think it was maybe Spurgeon, what he used to tell his students. I'm not sure, but. Anyways, I did that, and then I was getting ready to take a job at Enterprise wearing a car in West Memphis out of college, and God just stepped into the path, and he gave me a $14 ticket through an old friend in Nashville to a conference called Passion, and at Passion, there was 14,000 uh, college students and young leaders, and I was walking down uh, by the Gwinnett Center at the time in downtown Nashville, and I saw a guy with a UAM football hat, and we struck up conversation. I knew him because my brother played football for the University of Arkansas in Monticello. And so he asked me, point blank, what are you going to do with your life? And I didn't even really know the man. And uh, I said, I don't know, you know, rent cars? And he kind of laughed. He said, okay, yeah, that sounds fine. But what do you really want to do? And I said, I sell insurance. And he said, I, what do you really want? And, and for the first time since I was 17, I thought, I want to spend the rest of my time telling people there's a better way to live than the decisions that I made. And he started laughing, and he said, that's what I thought. I need your resume. And I was like, I, resume? I waited tables. I worked at a golf course, played golf in college. He said, yeah, just trust me. I need your resume. Well, they hired me with no seminary training, no experience. I, I was the first youth pastor that I ever knew. 
<laughs> we grew up in a rural church. I didn't know what a youth pastor yeah. was. So I showed up. They hired me. I showed up the first day. I opened my Bible. They showed me to my office. It was a church of about 180. I opened a Bible. And I was like, I guess I'm just supposed to read this until they tell me to do something else. And so I started reading it. And it's funny. I was telling a story a while back, and God gave me this uh, understanding that the very first thing that I started with was that an open Bible and an open mind was the only thing I needed the whole way and how I had complicated it so much in this ministry journey. But so uh, that first month, we saw 34 students come to know Christ. We baptized them and many of their family members and we experienced revival and it changed me. And so uh, as long as God will let me, I'll continue to do this for the rest of my life. It's taken us on a journey. We did student ministry for 10 years, almost 10, nine and God called us to church planting, uh, actually through a church planter by the name of Aaron Johnson, who was serving in Washington, Pennsylvania. God kind of wet our appetite for what planting was. We moved to Dallas to do that. We were totally unprepared, untrained. It was the most, uh, it was great six months. We enjoyed it. And then we had about the most miserable, probably three months of our lives. And uh, we just weren't ready. Yeah. And so we tried to quit. God wouldn't let us. He brought us to Conway instead. Uh, broke us. We said, if there's only 12 people that want to be a part of this fellowship of believers, we're going to love each other really well. We're going to stand with our arms around each other in front of the throne one day, ragtag and beaten, and say, hey, we, we loved you and we loved each other. And uh, I, God has saw fit to show favor on that movement. Uh, we've planted four churches from that church in Conway. Uh, he's grown that church. Uh, and now we're having some opportunities to kind of speak into the lives of other planters uh, through the convention and uh, through some national partners. And so it's been, uh, it's just really a God story how he would take a, a broken nobody from nowhere uh, who was lost in sin and do redemptive kingdom things. Uh, and we wouldn't even try to take the credit because anybody that knows us know that we're just not that impressive. <laughs> we're just normal people and God's just been really gracious. I think that's the story of all of our lives, you know, and I love that God's heart is always for the least likely. Mm. Think about from the very beginning, he's been making a way, mm. providing a way, and it's all of us who are desperately in need of his redemption and grace and direction. And so, Sindel, tell us a little bit about life in ministry for you as a woman and then also for your family uh, and just what that's like on a day-in and day-out basis. Yeah. Um, so I, I took notes on these <laughs> questions, but my, I, I feel like just simple, he's the gas on the brake when it comes to as a couple. Um, but as me personally, it, it, it has showed me places that where I, like I, right now I serve as a, our Kid City director. And when it first started, it was just something that had to be done as a church plan. Like I had the only children at the church, so somebody has to take care of them. For, so for about <laughs> nine months, it was me and the kids during worship uh, off to the side in a pop-up tent. Um, so True story. It, in August. It, yeah. It was with, Humble yeah, beginnings. Yes, and all we had was a Jesus Storybook Bible. Highly recommend. Um, and that was it. And a couple of toys. And so I say all that to say I started as just like, well, I have to do this. Um, but my heart for it has grown. God has shown me, you know, these little souls that, um, you know, you, you think well, you can go across the world and tell people who's never heard of Jesus. Well, these little souls don't know him and have, haven't. Like, they're, they're learning who he is. And you have an opportunity to help aid in that. 
and so that's that's huge and um, then shift over to you know just women um, and that that has been an area that um, I've, I'm, least, I'm not as involved in right now but being on the other side of that um, my heartbeat is stronger for it because I, I see it from a different lens right now and um, it's kind of energizing and it's exciting to see what God's doing right now uh, in that um, so yeah Lots oh, of great stuff. Can I brag on my wife Absolutely. for a second? Uh, there's so many things that she didn't say that uh, I want to affirm in her. Like, she has put up with a lot. We've moved uh, four or five cities, a couple states. Uh, we've moved church locations nine times in our growing early years. Uh, and she's just been stable and steady. Uh, She's an Enneagram 6, so for those of you listening that know that language, she loves security and stability. Uh, it can be driven by fear. Yeah. Uh, she, has a, she, she touched a little bit on the brokenness of her childhood. There's a lot more there. But, um, but she has opened her home to strangers, to neighbors. Um, she's been so faithful, and I'm so grateful to God for him putting Sindel in my life uh, as part of his sanctifying and redeeming work. I desperately needed that. Without her, I wouldn't be sitting here. Uh, we, I'd be probably on some Himalayan mountain, uh, you know, sharing the gospel with Sherpas over an open campfire. Without like, him, I would not be on a podcast. Yeah, so we it's cool well. to see what God does. That is awesome. That is beautiful. All right, so the story of... God calling you to Conway. We have to tell that story. I don't know which one wants to start out, but it's so powerful and it really sets us up for where we're going with our conversation. So share that story with us. Sure, I will. I uh, was kind of, like I said, ready to quit after Dallas. It was our desert. Uh, We just felt very hurt and lonely and broken. And God used that loneliness to create something. We moved to Conway. Uh, we actually, well, I'll step back, uh, July 1st of 2013, I had finished up my MDiv and, uh, we didn't know what was next for our family. And I said, just wait, July 1st, July 1st, July 1st. We said this date over and over and over and it was seven or eight AM. We were on the back porch and, uh, we prayed together that morning while the kids were still asleep. And I, I remember clearly saying, Hey, I don't even think God hears my prayers. I was just so dry. And I said, well, you pray this morning, Uh, almost just like punting any kind of spirituality to my wife, hoping that she had a better feel for it than I did at the time. But anyways, my phone rang, and it was Chad Graves, who's uh, here with us this week, and uh, who's been a long-term friend and mentor in my life. And uh, I stepped in the backyard to pace, because I pace during important conversations as I talk, and she stepped inside. And the first word out of his mouth, the question was, are you finished in Texas yet? And I, yes, I will. I was ready to get into insurance or I, I bought and sold on eBay to pay my way through college back in the day. So I can generally turn a dollar. Uh, and so I thought, well, I'm going to go back to those. And he goes, I want you to pray about Conway. And I was like, yeah, mm-mm. Uh, I didn't know what Conway was, anything about the place. And so we, that lasted for 40 minutes or so. And I stepped back in the house and Sindel said, before you say anything to me, was that phone call about Conway, Arkansas. Now, remember, we're in Dallas. We knew nothing about Conway. We knew one or two people that lived in the city. And I said, why would you say that? I was so caught off. And she said, I saw a picture on Facebook a couple days ago, and I have not, days or weeks, days, days. and I have not been able to get that city off of my mind. 
And so I was like, okay, that's weird. And it felt like God to me. So we got in our little Honda Element at the time, two kids, a couple of bags. We were going to pray about it for two days, but for, in the next two hours we were packed up, headed to Conway. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds, about right. Right. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. So drove to UCA, prayer walked. Um, longer story short, uh, we actually, within 24 hours, we had sold our house for more than we paid for it without even planning to sell it. One picture online. One picture online. Uh, went down to collect the earnest money. Uh, during that trip down, got a phone call that uh, someone was giving us a piece of property on the campus of UCA, about a quarter of a million dollar piece of property for the price of a dollar, paid in full. And then I had a few call, uh, high school students that had graduated over the years in student ministry that were at UCA. One is Lane, he's sitting at the table right there. He works with our church full time that said, uh, you know, we called and said, if we came to Conway to plant a church, would you be interested? And he said, yeah. And so we had a team, we had a facility, um, and God was preparing every step of the way. And the friend that we knew opened up their home. We stayed there for two weeks. We had a launch service. Seventy-two college students showed up uh, and uh, one post-college couple, and that was the birthing of this little fledgling movement that we now call City Church. And so... It was really obvious that God wanted this to happen and that he was kind of taking or ordaining our steps to kind of even push us forward in this. So that that's kind of part of the story, of, at least for Conway. Well, it's a powerful story, and it just, I think, will be an encouragement to anybody who's in that place of waiting or the place of just, it's a dry season. Mm. It is dry, and it is hard, and it is long, and it's easy to want to quit. And so you obviously, even in your struggle, turned to Sindel. Sindel, you turned to God. God moved in that moment. He prompted Chad. I mean, you just see so many things of God in that story. And little did you know the blessing that was waiting on the other side of obedience. And I think what a powerful reminder for us. It's just, it's right there on the other side of obedience. And it's not, you know, that there's four church plants and that there's all these people. It's the peace, I think, that comes in a surrendered life to Christ. And so I I just, I love that story. I love to hear it. I love to share it. So just quickly, I want us to touch on life as church planters and, you know, what you've learned as well as how you can kind of encourage other people who are in the planting process. Uh, I'll tell one quick story because it's it's just a God thing. And then uh, I think that kind of sets up this question that you just asked. But when we moved into the house, uh, it was just God's provision for us. We were out of parking. We were meeting. Our church started in a house. There was an older man across the street who was raking his leaves. We were praying in the house. We could see him out the window. We decided to stop our prayers and to go and do, and we raked his leaves. And what took what it took him two weeks took us about two hours. And when we were finished, we it was all bagged up, and we said, "Is we you know we're across the street. We're actually followers of Jesus. Uh, we're Christians, and we're wondering if there's anything that we could pray for you about today." And he said, uh, "Yeah, pray that I sell that old boat." And it was sitting out by the road there, and had grass about waist high and I was like okay and I was trying to reach maybe for some more spiritual things and I was like is there anything else we could pray for you about and he said yeah I pray that I sell this house I want to move to be with my extended family in Kentucky and I was like okay this is all we're going to get so we'll just throw a Hail Mary here see what happens we held hands and we prayed when we finished the prayer someone pulled in the uh, in the um, home in the driveway bought the boat for what he was asking by the end of the day UCA truck pulled in paid him a cash offer on his house 
that 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 month they bulldozed his house and built a parking lot which we were desperately craving at that place so it really it was signs and wonders and uh i didn't i didn't, I didn't come from a charismatic background so this was like so evident what god was doing here and you asked the question what, what's it been like the process for us someone asked me early in my training uh, before we came to Conway, or as we were starting in Conway, he said, what if the soul that God ends up sending you to Conway to save ends up being your own? And uh, that that question kind of frustrated me. I didn't understand really the heart behind it. I thought, what do you mean? I'm already saved. And uh, what I realized is that is exactly what happened. In the last six months of total brokenness that has forced a complete reliance upon God, God saved me at a young age, but has been saving me every step of the way and teaching me more about his character and helping me to trust him. And not only that, but to lean into others that I may have previously written off uh, as essential part of the kingdom, pieces coming together to tell a better story about him. So uh, Jeremiah 29, I think it's 7, says, seek the welfare of the city, and in in that process you'll find your own welfare which is another scripture that wouldn't have made any sense to me five years ago until we accidentally did it. And we realized that in caring for our city, our community has cared for us. And we are, you talk about peace. Like I, I used to, I used, I, I used to, it sounds superficial, but I would like stub my toe and have a bad day. And I'm like, God, I thought you promised us peace. My life is not peace. And, uh, so I craved that. And it's not until the last, I would say, calendar year that I have really experienced the peace of God in my life. It took to the age of 37, and we're experiencing it. You know, even on this podcast, I don't, I don't have anything to prove. I'm not, I don't want to impress. I'm just, I have learned to rest and trust in God and uh, the soul that he sent us into the city to save, he ended up just it, it being us. And and now everything else is just an overflow. And that's what this project is about. I love that. I love that. All right, Sindel, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, real quick. Um, so I think as, you know, in the practical sense of, of planting, you ha- you're you so busy. You're, you're setting up. You're tearing down. You have all these, you know, you, you hopefully have teams, and you're trying to lead all of this. And in the craziness of all of that, you can often um, – just be be exhausted and you have forgotten to um to care for your own soul and in the process of all of it so uh i think any advice would be you know what wake up each day dying to self realizing who god is and um you know asking the holy spirit to guide you and inviting him in uh, putting on the armor uh, the enemy's real and so when you step into this church planting process you are a target and that has been what I've learned, and it's been a very sanctifying process for me. And so I've, I've learned that if, if you don't press into the king and you make him king, then then the people of the church become your idol and the king. Your your husband who, you know, becomes your king, your children become your king. And so if the king of this world is not the king of your heart, you're going to go through a lot more trials and it's going to be a lot harder so waking up each day knowing that hey you know what he's king and i'm dying to myself and um, that armor is so important this morning actually i'm at a i was at a stoplight in conway on my way here and i just kind of flipped open my bible and um 
the scripture that I flipped it open to is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So um, as long as you're pressing into that work that he has placed on your heart, um, wives, as long as you're loving your husband and placing Jesus as king, um, you're, it, it's going to be a lot smoother of a ride. And um, to know that, that no matter how it goes, um, that he won. Yeah. So even if, if you fail, he won in the end. So. Amen. That is good, good. I'm not even going to call it advice. That is a word for every one of us that we understand and that we recognize and we establish the king as the king and when we do that we see where we fit into the story because it's his story and there is a peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus so all of that is so applicable for every one of us I'm going to throw a question in here that's not on the list because I just know that you can handle this Um, but I want us to go there when it comes to our walks with Christ I know we want and we desperately desire for it to be so real, like for it to be more than just ministry, and I put that in quotes. Mm. We want this to be an overflow Mm. of our relationship with Jesus. And so talk to us just a little bit about maybe, and this goes right along with Disciple Trip, your passion in ministry and in life, but so much more just your passion in regards to your walk with Jesus. Yeah, I think everyone that's listening to this podcast has an, uh, a couple of choices. One is you can um, you can do ministry and hope God blesses it, uh, or you can walk with Jesus and let Him do the heavy lifting. And uh, I learned a long time ago that ministry is not something that I can do, but it's something that I leave behind if I'm following Jesus. And so that then the weight's off. Sindel read about it in Corinthians. It's His work. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a driven person. You're a driven person, Andrea. And so uh, it can become about our finished work. And so when the book is not going well or the ministry is not going well, then we li- we're losing, right? Like, what are we doing wrong? We must have, uh, you know. But when we're just walking with Jesus in the everyday we look up after a few days and we're like, oh, wow, look what God did yesterday. It didn't feel spiritual at the time, but it's so clear that his spirit, who is drawing all men and women everywhere to himself, is still at work. And so I get to just go to work with him each day. I'm not, I woke up from a dream uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, it, was like my, it was like my dad's hand was on my shoulder. It was as if I heard the voice, hey, son, get up, it's time to go to work, which was very normal when I was a teenager. But it was different. God was speaking to me through my heart, and He was—he t- was literally. Got, I had a lot on my to-do list that day. I was preaching, uh, leadership team meeting, all this stuff, and he, he, God was waking me up and saying, "Hey, son, it's time to go to work." Uh, and and then I immediately had these thoughts of when I actually went to work with my dad as a kid. He knew where we were going. He had already gotten lunch plans. He had all the tools. All I had to do was show up and trust dad and do what he told me to do and what i've realized that in ministry that is real that is the real work it's just showing up it's trusting him and when you do that you that i think it's that's what abiding means it's to abide in his finished work rather than what i like to do which is abide in my finished work which never ends well and leaves me stressed out and burdened and anxious and with a hurt back and high blood pressure but when i'm trusting and walking in him then i am a part of his kingdom initiative and that is that's what disciple trip it's it's a it's a the pressure's off it's god's work he's building his kingdom 
And so when we wrote, we uh, we we, tr- we wrote about a formula. There, by the way, there's no formula to discipleship, but we put one in the book. <laughs> but it's simple, and it's close proximity to Jesus plus close proximity to others equals maximum impact. If if you're walking with Jesus and you bump into me, your Jesus is going to spill off on me, and I'm going to experience Jesus. And so I think discipleship is less of a classroom activity, while those are worthwhile to learn God's word, uh, it, it, and, and more about spending time with the Father and loving other people in close proximity. And when we do that, they're going to get Jesus, and discipleship is going to happen naturally and organically. That's great. That's great. And Sindel, when you think about your childhood, you know, and what you shared with us at the top of the podcast, how has that helped you to see this process of discipleship as freeing instead of something else to check off your list? Yeah, um, I think that it absolutely, you see that it, it doesn't have to be this structured thing that you have to get so right you know um there's there it's it's just a heartbeat after that and as in your what when you're close to jesus and you're close to other people that that's going to happen and and there's a freedom in that absolutely and one thing that i think we have to be willing to admit is that we are weak in the process and that our vulnerability and authenticity in that actually sets the stage for a move of God in the moment, you know? And so that has always been probably a challenge for me because I was raised to have it all together, right? And so to have the to have all the answers, to do all the things. And so we're all fighting against these different experiences or scripts or tendencies or personality things. But I love the fact that you're bringing up the concept of abiding in that we remember that it is Christ in us, through us, and it's for him, and it's by him, and it's to him. And that simplifies our life to see where we are in the process and where others are. Salvation, coming to faith in Christ, sanctification, growing in our love relationship with Christ, glorification, going home to be with Christ. I try to think in those terms because it simplifies my day. And this concept of being close to Jesus, being close to others, and just knowing impact comes through that, it requires a surrender mm-hmm. and an acknowledgement of our weakness. And so tell us a little bit about the process of writing the book and how that came to be. Because Joey and Sindel, you're full of cool stories, so we've got to get them all in. But tell us about how the book came to be a project. So we, I was doing a, uh, a lecture with a group of about 30 pastors in Washington, D.C., doing it digitally over Zoom. And, and when I finished, I got an email uh, and it was from a woman who had attended it, and she said, um, you need to put all this in written form, and I'm going to help you. And I'd never met her before. Her name is Joanna Sanders. She was in Washington, D.C. And so that started a friendship between her and Sindel and I that um, it started this process of writing the book. It took a little over a year, uh, and, and, and God just shaped it. We, we, we built the plane as we were flying it, and it uh, I knew that there was two points in the story. I wanted to share some of these stories because God, God did some crazy stuff while we were uh, young and energetic and adventurous that I wanted to document because I realized we were already starting to forget stories. And so part of the book is meant to inspire everyday people to join Jesus on this adventure of disciple-making, but the other part was to actually equip them. I didn't just want to tell some stories that would get them excited. I wanted to give them tools that would help them be kingdom partners uh, because, you know, long before you you had a book and a podcast, you were Andrea, uh, you know, living in Conway, married, kids, 
same here. Normal people doing extraordinary things uh, under the leadership of Jesus and through the work of His Holy Spirit. So, my my dream is that an, uh, that normal people, businessmen, women, stay-at-home moms, uh, people that work in uh, you know Conways of kind of we have a corporate culture there that, that they would see themselves as everyday missionaries, not having to have a seminary degree, but just be, being willing to spend time with the Lord and love other people and like you to use your word, you know, to submit and be open to God's process in their life and that we would unleash a movement of disciple makers in the everyday nooks and cranny of our society. And that's the purpose of the book. So there's some crazy stories. I tried to write it to actually it was one person, my son at age 25. And so every word that came uh, onto my keypad, what I was what do I want my son to know at 25 about not just how his dad followed Jesus, but what God's word calls him to. He has the Bible. That is the book. We don't need any, we don't need disciple trip on part of that, uh, on top of that. But what would I like for him to know? And so uh, I wrote it with that in mind. And I hope that we've created a resource. We're already starting to hear some stories of people who are viewing their everyday goings as mission trips. So that's kind of, we ran under the premise, what if rather than going on a mission trip or in addition to going to, because I love mission trips, what if we viewed, we woke up every morning, submitted to Jesus under the leadership of his Holy Spirit as missionaries into the everyday, normal, mundane activities of life, going to the grocery store, taking the kids to practice, picking them up from school, fall fest for us last weekend, simple, normal, everyday things. I think we can unleash a movement of everyday people and really see uh, revival in our country and in our state and see that move of God move. But it's got to go into the marketplace. It cannot be a Sunday experience alone. Yeah. And you think about the potential housed in Arkansas alone, Mm. catching this vision, catching this, you know, just really this concept and it's this concept of abiding more than anything else and then seeing God work you know I'm so excited about that and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because I know that our listeners they're going to want to connect with you they're going to want to connect with this book and so tell us how can we get a copy of it yeah so uh, we're on Instagram as the adventure movement Uh, you can also follow our Facebook page at disciple trip uh, you can contact me directly at joey at citychurch.tv. The book's on Amazon. We're about to release a travel journal, which is going to be a personal and small group guide with follow-up questions from each chapter. Uh, and, 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 and here's this. When you read scripture with an open mind, you read stories of everyday people who were living extraordinary lives. It was an adventure. And I think we as a church have to get back to the heart of this is not like a stale, dry Sunday experience, regardless of what your church is like. This is you are you are journeying into the unknown and you have no idea what God's going to do today if we trust him in a relationship. In a com- I had a cousin who's a farmer who called me and said, we read your book. We went to Kansas, but we decided on our hunting vacation, instead of just doing it as a vacation, we were gonna actually see what Jesus wanted for us. They ended up making lifelong friends, staying at someone's house, getting a key to their home, praying together, sharing scripture together. And he calls me back on the way home. He's like, you're not gonna believe what happened. And I'm going, every day can look like that for all of us. 
when we trust Jesus and we enlist in this thing. So as church leaders, we're not just growing audiences. We're building armies of people to go out and live good news. We have the cure for the spiritual condition, the brokenness of humanity. We have that living in us. So let's let that out. That's so good. And it draws us into relationship with God mm. and into relationship with community. And so, Sindel, I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about how has this book helped you? How has it impacted your daily walk with Christ? Well, um, so it absolutely has. Some of the some of the earlier when I was when I was saying, you know, you, you know, who, who's going on this trip with you? Well, um, you're in a you're going to surrender to Jesus. You know, you're going to invite the Holy Spirit to guide you, uh, to be your guide, and all of that. And, and that, you know, in the book, as I was reading it, I was like, "This, yes, this is this is it." Um, and uh, I'm, I'm just so proud, you know, of him. And um, God is using it in my life, spiritual walk, and and then and then reading the stories and getting to relive some of those exciting things and just remembering. I think as as hum, you know, as humans and we, we forget, or easily to forget, all, all of his goodness or all the stories he's done. And, and um, even though when we're in those, we're, it's just amazing. And then months go by and we, 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 you know, we just feel lost and, and we forget. And so having that to be able to look back on the journey of just kind of what stories we've been, we've been through personally and then being able to, to look to other people to say, hey, you know what, he is so good. And here, let me show you some of these, these, so these stories. So, yeah. So good. The Israelites, God had them build memorials to remember mm-hmm. where what he had brought them through. And so in some ways, this book is a bit of a memorial to our early stages of our journey, what God has done and what he's brought us through. We I, we were talking last night. I've been in Little Rock for a couple of nights now, and I called and I said, we are blessed people. But I think we forget when we're in it every day. But just this book kind of helps me to zoom out and look at my life in it through a different lens and just remind, ah, God is so good. Like, why would he allow us to experience this kind of peace uh, as we trust and follow him? And so... Uh, we'll drift, and we'll need to remember again tomorrow. And so we'll try to we'll take up our cross and follow Him and crucify self, like Sindel said, and and walk with that kind of gospel humility that allows us to love others and not judge, but to offer grace and and be tokens of God's mercies. Well, thank you so much for yeah. joining us here on the podcast, and we can't wait to see what God has for the future. But um, we're praying for you, and we're super excited for Disciple Trip and for the movement, of the adventure movement, and for what God's doing in Arkansas and beyond with this gospel message. So thank you, Joey and Sindel, for being with us you today. Bet. You're a great host. Thank you, Andrea. This episode of Inspire on the Go is over, but we hope you'll be back next Monday for the latest episode. In the meantime, you can visit absc.org forward slash inspire podcast to find more episodes and ways to connect with Andrea. Also, if you're in central Arkansas, you can find Andrea's radio show Truth on the Go at 93.3 The Fish and 99.5 Faith Talk Radio on Sunday mornings.